this is your welcoming ceremony into the best worst club. It's the club that none of us want to be a part of, with the best kind of people. We are the one in ten, doing our very best at living with endometriosis. Think of this podcast as your space to be understood, uplifted, and plugged into the thriving endo community. This disease is a beast to live with. It's one that crosses into taboo territory, and the road to management is peppered with obstacles. Tune in weekly to be equipped with research-based information and tangible tools to navigate the medical system as a fierce self-advocate. To be moved by other warriors' raw and real stories while contributing to spreading awareness of our realities and to glean helpful life hacks and coping skills from perspectives of people who truly get it. I'm your host and fellow Indo warrior, Mariah Battaglia, better known as the Indo doula on IG. And while I hate that you're part of the club, I hope you'll stay. Make sure to follow the show so you don't miss any of the latest episodes and upcoming guests. The following episode may contain topics or experiences that could be triggering to some and are of mature nature. Talk of depression, medical trauma, disordered eating, and other sensitive issues may be talked about. Please listen at your own discretion and remember that this podcast is never meant to be taken as medical advice. Please consult your doctor or therapist about any medical or mental health questions you have. In some really interesting and strange and difficult ways, living with mental illness for the majority of my life has actually really helped me in living with endometriosis. Okay, bear with me here. I'm going to try to piece this together and connect the dots. So mental illness runs in my family. From bipolar disorder to depression and probably some diagnoses that we aren't actually aware of in part because my maternal grandmother, she was adopted, and it was a closed adoption. So we know very little about her genetics. I have several family members that deal with depression and anxiety. I am one of them. I've been diagnosed with bipolar depression, PMDD, and PTSD as well. I have a first cousin that committed suicide when he was just 26 years old. So, unfortunately, I can say it runs in my family. Between being born into the religion of charismatic Christianity, like the prophetic, does miracles kind of Christianity, between that and the crunchy, granola, self-healing cure culture, I inherently, like to my core, felt like it was my fault I became chronically ill. I felt like there had to be something I could do to heal myself of any sickness, physically or mentally, because that was the programming that I had been around my entire life between church and cure culture. 
Even though I started having symptoms of endometriosis as early as age 10, they were not part of my daily life until my early 20s. But the mental illness, now that's definitely been a significant part of my life and childhood. I can remember having my first suicidal thoughts at age 13. It was just something I struggled with. Like, it was just felt like my brain was wired differently. So, inherently feeling like it was my fault and my responsibility to fix and heal myself and that there wasn't room to accept it. Like, if... If I accept my diagnosis, if I accept that I have depression or mental illness, or I accept that I have an incurable disease called endometriosis, if I accept those things, I'm wrong. I'm bad. I'm giving up. And essentially, whatever happens to me, whatever pain I experience, whatever hardships, like whatever else happens to me after that is because of my quote-unquote choice. It's because I haven't gotten better. It's because I haven't found a way out. And that, that wrecked me. Like, literally, it wrecked me. I became suicidal again at the age of 28. Because I felt worthless. I felt like the biggest burden there could ever be. And I almost convinced myself that my husband, my fur baby, my mom, my family, like all of society would be better off without me. Because I can't be a functioning member of society. Because I can't heal myself. Because I can't cure myself. Because I'm depressed and I don't know what my purpose is right now. And this isn't okay and there isn't room for this. I should, I should just rise above this and be more than this and find my way out of this. And thankfully, because of my husband and my mom and the amazing support that they both are, they acted immediately When those thoughts got to a possible action point for me, they intervened and got me the help that I once again needed. And so I went into an inpatient behavioral health hospital and stayed for about four nights. This was the second time that I had needed that intervention in my life, but it was the first time that I like actually realized I needed it. It was the first time I realized that mental illness, it's not something I'm choosing. And just as my organs are sick because of endometriosis and I'm seeking medical help for that, I need to do the same for my brain and mental illness. I realized through those days there at the hospital and getting right into therapy after my inpatient stay I was able to get to a place of seeing, of realizing it, it freaked me out because I thought I knew these symptoms and I thought I had a control on them. 
But in that last suicidal episode, I didn't. I wasn't recognizing. There had been signs and things going on for months leading up to that. My, ho- my husband would notice them and point them out. But I wasn't able to see them. So it just really freaked me out that I didn't recognize at that time. And it was because of that that I realized I can't be stronger than this. That I can't beat this on my own. And that scared the shit out of me. It scared me enough to know that I had to accept help and that I had to accept that I live with these conditions and that if I'm not aware of them and I don't stay on top of them, something bad could happen. Just as if if I had diabetes and didn't monitor my blood sugar, something bad could happen. It was like that switch in perception of my mental illness that allowed me to have the same switch with endometriosis. Let me add, a big part of all of this is also, while I'm having these perspective shifts, I have also been deep in deconstructing from religion. And that was a huge part of letting go of that responsibility of having to heal myself. And also seeing the parallels in the cure culture and being able to walk away from both of them and say, That's not for me. And for the first time in my life, I'm actually going to listen to myself. And this is not to get spiritual or religious at all. This is just to share my experience of what has actually helped me. So it was like for the first time, instead of looking For some kind of God or entity or higher power, I actually just sat with myself and I was like, okay, like, what do I believe? What do I think? Like, what are my opinions on things? Do I really subscribe to this? Do I really think that I can just heal myself out of this? And where do all of these things come from to begin with? So... I just got curious and started asking myself questions. And honestly, for a while, I didn't have any answers because I felt like I couldn't even decipher what was mine from religion and cure culture. I had lived my entire life believing in these things and believing in this like miraculous healing power. And now suddenly I was faced with an incurable illness on top of the mental illness that I had never accepted until it almost killed me. I really just started to unpack a lot of society's obstacles that had been placed on my perception and the internal ableism that I was living through. So like the necessity of having to accept my mental illness so I don't kill myself and accepting the fact that I truly do want to live, like I actually made that decision inside myself. I am not done here yet. There's things I still want to do, want to experience, want to see, and fuck, I don't even know what's after this. 
I used to think I had some idea. I have no idea. And I was so deeply involved in believing in some kind of next realm, next life, heaven, whatever you want to call it, that I was really detached to this life. And through shedding all of these things, I was able to be like, no, I really do want to be here. Even though it's really fucking hard between my brain and my body and just life in general, I still want to be here. And like, that was huge. That was so powerful for me. That was a big deal for myself. And so being able to find that acceptance and slough off all those things that weren't mine, I began to be able to deal with endometriosis in the same way. Okay, I don't want this. I didn't do anything to cause this. And if I accept that I have it, it doesn't make me bad. It doesn't make me lazy. It doesn't mean that endo is going to get worse just just because I believe I have endometriosis. And so I started to like really think about my life and how I set it up and what I actually want. Okay, but not just what I want, what my brain and my body need. Because a lot of what my brain and my body needs A lot of what my brain and my body require me to do in everyday life is not what I want to do. And so I have to find the acceptance somewhere along the way to make those changes and provide for my brain and my body in what it needs because it isn't always what I want. Let's be honest, it's most of the time not what I want. But that shift, that shift opened up room in my life again for me to live, for me to enjoy. It was hard going from a seemingly healthy 20-something-year-old who, like, okay, you know, stop and think back to yourself in your early 20s. You're still at your peak of physical capabilities and like no fear of life and no fucks given and like let's go explore mentality. So that version of Mariah's life and the things that were important to her then in that stage of my life, suddenly I couldn't do them anymore. I couldn't hike anymore. I mean like... Before my husband and I were even engaged, when we were still just boyfriend and girlfriend, we went on a 10,000-mile road trip in a two-door Volkswagen Volkswagen Rabbit with our then one-year-old fur baby that I talk about all the time. We lived out of a tent for three months. I think about that all the time and how that was the standard we had set for our lives. Like, that was who we were. That was Mariah and David, the super tramps. 
We hiked and climbed mountains and traveled and we drove for 12 hours a day and we slept under the stars in the freezing cold and suddenly that's all gone. I can't do those things anymore. And while I am not going to sugarcoat it or spew some toxic positivity bullshit and say that doesn't hurt, that I don't grieve that and that there aren't still times that I have to pull myself out of self out of some dark shit because it isn't easy and it isn't what I want and it's not fair and I don't want to accept it. But where did that get me? If those are the standards I'm holding for the Mariah that I am today, I'm never going to live up to them. And what does that mean for the rest of my life? That I'm just going to be miserable and sad and comparing myself to an old version of me? One that doesn't even exist anymore? This before and after, then versus now, it plagues our society. It wasn't until I accepted, and don't get me wrong, it's still hard, to let go of those standards for my life now. To explore what slowing down looks like. What joys I can find in a slow walk. In a slow drive. And being in nature in a different way than I once was. You know, camping now might require a few more items. I used to be totally okay with roughing it. Like literally just camping pad and sleeping bag. Now I'm like, we need to bring minimum a four inch memory foam mattress otherwise I will not be able to move in the morning and it just won't be enjoyable for anyone and while I don't want it to be that way am I going to stop going camping because I don't want to pack a bag of all of my pain soothing go-tos to make sure I have my period underwear just in case (laughs) that's actually literally what they're called just in case that I have Tylenol and weed and a heating pad and CBD and Zofran and lidocaine patches. Like, am I going to let needing those things stop me from going? Or am I going to go and find enjoyment in it still and allow it to shift and change and be different? I think about how I'm getting older and how it's so strange and really wonderful. And I mean, I guess where I'm going with that is like, I'm 30 years old. So I am by no means saying I have all this experience and years of wisdom kind of thing. But it just makes me think about how hard it must be to accept And to start to realize that your body is aging and it can't do the things that it once used to. So like, no wonder why it's so difficult for us to have to do that at 25 or 26 or 21 or 30. Like, it just adds another layer. And it's okay that you haven't figured it out yet. Living with endometriosis does not come with some kind of guidebook and for fuck's sake, We go through so much gaslighting 
that it really does play a huge role psychologically in your ability to cope with endometriosis. And that's fucked up because it's so wrong and it's not your fault. It's something I think of often. Had one of the doctors I saw early on in my journey sat me down and said like, look, sweetie, this is life changing. This is a big deal. This is something that you don't want to hear. You're not going to be happy with the diagnosis and your entire life is going to change. But there is a community and there are things that we can do to support you and your body and your mind and it's going to be okay. As cliche as it sounds and not in any way that you think, but it's going to be okay. If a doctor had told me that, I wonder how much sooner I could have gotten to this place. And so I want to share it with our community because every time I listen to another warrior's story, I am able to not only be comforted and reminded that I am not crazy, this shit is really hard, this pain is really intense, and all of this is so life-changing. Like, I'm not being dramatic. This is our realities. And I feel like we need to hear that over and over and over again. Like, we really need to be reminded of that. Especially as we continue to fight so much stigma and misinformation and not being believed. But I also learned something. It helps me in my perspective, and the way that I look at life with endo. And it gives me hope, and it just reminds me that I'm not alone in this. I remember when I first started realizing that this is definitely endometriosis. I scoured the internet. And this was several years ago now, so it was way before Instagram was what it is today. YouTube was popular and that was my go-to, but like TikTok was not around yet. Like it literally wasn't a thing. And Pinterest was there and that was my other go-to. Back then it was like blogs and vlogs. And I was trying to find whatever endo content I could, like from the perspective of someone living with it. I wanted to see it. Like I wanted to see their flares and them trying to eat and trying to work and trying to get ready. All the things that I was feeling so crazy and experiencing, so isolated and dealing with. I I just wanted answers and I felt like if I could just find somebody else going through this, it would help me. It would help me navigate it and it would help me show my family like, look, I'm not crazy. I'm not being dramatic. I'm really struggling here and I don't know what to do. So I hope that by creating this content and growing our community and our ability to reach other warriors through apps like Instagram and TikTok and this podcast, that younger generations they're going to have an entirely different experience and understanding of endometriosis because of what we share. 
It's something that I think is so incredibly beautiful about our community, that we are willing to fight and show up and tell our stories so that the younger generations don't have to deal with the same systemic injustices we face today. Our community really is the best worst club. Like, we all hate that we have endometriosis in common, but we couldn't be in better company. With that being said, I am so excited to drop a couple of hints of some upcoming Best Worst Club things. First off, the podcast interview calendar is updated for the 2023 season and will be linked in the show notes. So if you are interested in being on Best Worst Club podcast, you can use the link to set up a time to record with me. I'm currently doing interviews for this series. It's not just a bad period, but I am also open to other topics. If there is something specific related to endometriosis that you would like to talk about, just let me know by emailing the show at bestworstclub at yahoo.com, and you can find the email in the show notes. Secondly, Next week, on January 23rd, I will be announcing something so exciting, something I've been working on and hinting around to in my IG stories for a couple of weeks now. Another reason why you should follow me, it's finally ready to be shared with you all, and I am really excited about having another space for our community to plug into and grow. And lastly, I am working on putting together some virtual and in real life Best Worst Club events for this year. It's been one of the things I hear from you about the most, that we're all craving connections with other Indo Warriors. And honestly, I am most excited about this. I cannot wait to meet you in person. I'm currently in the planning stage, so make sure you head over to Instagram and DM me to let me know you're interested in events. This will allow me to better plan. Well, I think that wraps this episode up. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here and helping Best Worst Club grow. Thank you for tuning in to the Best Worst Club podcast. If you could do us the biggest favor and help us reach more Indo Warriors, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you are listening. And take a selfie of you listening or a screenshot and share it on Instagram. I hope you'll join us next week, Endo Warrior.